0: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Pat's Creative Podcast, episode 17 or so. I don't know. You guys know the drill. Uh, today, I've got a very special guest with me. I've got none other than Yoshiller, possibly the biggest Yoshi fan in the YouTube community. Yoshiller. Is it Yoshiller or Yoshiler? Am I yeah, saying that
1: right? Yoshiller's is correct. Uh, some people say Yoshi killer, and that's the only one where I'm like, that's wrong. It's not Yoshi <laughs> killer, and I can, I can explain why you later. You would never do such a thing.
0: No, no.
1: I, 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 I just... I just couldn't. But couldn't. yes, hello humans, I'm your Schiller, and it's an honor to be here today. Thank you for having me on.
0: Absolutely. Um, And and you are a Let's Player primarily, but you also have a lot of other crafts too. Is there anything, any kind of titles or something you'd like to associate with your your career, if you will, or?
1: Yeah, I'm I'm primarily a, a freelance video editor these days. I edit for a fair share of different channels, including Arlo, Source Gaming, and there's a couple others I don't think I'm supposed to reveal just yet, but you'll see my name pop up in a variety of different places. In the past, I've also edited for like The Completionist and Reversal and Commonwealth Realm. So I I just do a lot of video editing, but then yes, in my own time, I do walkthroughs and online multiplayer matches on my own channel. And I try to do that daily, but still working on getting back into the regular schedule.
0: For sure. Yeah. And and that's kind of how I discovered you was mostly through a lot of your um, secondary works. I've definitely heard the name Yo Shiller around the platform for a very long time now, um, but only recently made the full dive to actually checking out some of your work. And I was very impressed with what I've seen. Uh, I've been enjoying your Animal Crossing stuff specifically. Thank you. Um, And I think that's kind of a, a good way to lead into since we've already touched on it. How did you kind of get involved in this industry of editing for people, making your own work and stuff? Is that have you always had some kind of passion to create something growing up or was this just all kind of happened since?
1: Yeah, so I've been making videos for over 13 years on this channel. And then prior to this channel, like two years before that, I had a different YouTube channel where I made AMVs of an online fan-made animated series called Super Mario Brothers Z. And I was, I was obsessed with it because I was a... I guess like a 10 year old kid that got access to the internet. And I was like, whoa, look at this cool animation of Mario and Sonic and <laughs> v- violence and all that. And it was cool and it's still cool and it still inspires me for as geeky as it sounds. And as time went on, I you know, I, I really loved video games and i it's my dream to always want to one day make a successful video game. But video games are a team effort. There's a lot of moving parts, sure. right? So I can't just learn all of that overnight, especially not at the young age of 10 first learning how to use the internet. (laughs) So, So I instead tried to get as close as I could in the sense that I can make videos about video games. I can record myself playing video games. I just want to appreciate video games and talk with other people that appreciate video games. So I taught myself how to edit using Windows Movie Maker. I taught myself the basics of animation using Microsoft PowerPoint and- The works. Yeah. Wow. And uh, as time went on, you know, I, I I guess I honed my craft and I got into the habit of trying to make better videos. And for the record, a lot of my old videos are still viewable. They're all awful. And I do not encourage anyone to watch them. My, my comments! sounds like <laughs> high pitched it. It's got like a t- HyperCam logo in the top right corner. It's awful, okay? I didn't know anything about like bit rates or balancing sure. audio. I think a lot of my videos are desynchronized. I didn't know how to synchronize my stuff co- properly. I was just like, if I start the video and audio at the same time, it's synchronized, <laughs> but I'd be like a, a second late on the audio. Anyway, so it's terrible, but I refuse to take those videos down because it shows a sense of evolution. Absolutely. It, for as embarrassed as I am, it's a, it's a point where I can say, this is how I started this is where I am so for sure in that regard I started off as just a let's player or walkthrougher that had very basic recording equipment and then I just tried to figure out what I liked seeing in other people's videos and then I tried to incorporate that into my own videos and now I edit other people's videos just as a way to make ends meet and I'm very fortunate that I'm able to have those opportunities available to me
0: for sure for sure and um you, you touched on so many things that I have questions on and I'm trying to like decipher which one to kind of bring up. Um, but I, I think what kind of piqued my interest was is you're mentioning that you growing up, you wanted to venture create your own video game, right? Yeah. Is that still like a pursuit that you've explored uh, to this day? Or is that something you've kind of left on the curbside?
1: Uh, that, that is still something I want to do. Uh, nowadays, I have a better understanding of how games are made. And there are different parts of the game design process that I like. And there are parts sure. where like, I, I never want to touch that part of the process. So for example, video games rely on code and programming. And I, I was I,
0: going to ask, I was like, is coding the one you don't want to touch?
1: Yeah, I, I do not like programming. I I. Know the basics of it. If I if I look at someone else's code, I might not be able to fix it, but I can look at parts and say, "Oh, this probably controls this part. This probably controls sure. this part." I can look at the big webs of all these files linked together and be like, "Okay, that does this. This does that."
0: The but, general logic is what you have down
1: exactly. But to do all that from scratch, uh, the, the most impressive thing I've done besides like using default tools and game programs like Unity is like a, num- a text based number guessing game and it would keep track of how many times you guessed and it would would insult you based on how many times you got stuff wrong. That's about the furthest of my knowledge and it taught me that I do not like coding, I do not like programming, I would rather just save up a bunch of money and just pay someone to do it. Uh, But but, but the artsy side of it, the idea of like designing a level and using game design knowledge to like teach a player how to play without having a tutorial, the idea of like having these different uh, aesthetics for courses that like aren't just floating blocks all over the place, but are, are right. like incorporated into the design. Yeah. That's the stuff I like. So right. it's it's hard to land a position like that in the game industry because that's what a lot of people want to do. So you got to have like sure. an art designer's portfolio and stuff. So my main workaround to trying to make my dream game one day, well, I was supposed to do this this year, but because of the pandemic and everything happening last year, a lot of my plans got pushed back but i was going sure. to make a proof of concept i was going to make an entire animation of my game it, it would basically look like the game like someone was playing it but the truth of the matter was it wasn't a program that someone was playing it was just entirely animated and i was right. going i was going to make that and try to pitch it to someone and, and try to save up money i actually uh, attempted to go on some game shows and win money that way and that was just going to help fund my my game if i one on the game shows. No kidding. Yeah, uh, I, I auditioned for the chase. I was not accepted. Uh, <laughs> so I, I, that was my idea was just to try and at, at the very least have something because I don't quite have an elevator pitch yet. You know, if, sure. the, t- if the time comes where someone's like, all right, what's the game you want to make? I'd be like, uh, we need to have like a, a conversation because yeah, my yeah. game isn't just, I want to make something like Sonic or I want to make something like Mega Man. It's not quite sure. that I need to show you rather than tell you. Yeah. So I still have an idea for a game. It's It's in there. I have all these ways that I think it could be fun and the, the, the I, I can't wait to see like a let's players reaction to some of the stuff. And right. I will make it one day. It might not be within the next five years, it might not be within the next ten years, but I will make it and I can only hope that people like it. Cause my other biggest nightmare is making it and it <laughs> no, nobody likes it, you know. I don't, I don't wanna sure. I don't wanna be the next mighty number nine or <laughs> in wonder world and I feel I feel bad to say stuff like that But I don't want to be like that I want to be more like shovel knight or undertale or something like that.
0: Absolutely And and so would you say there's kind of a magnum opus of a game that you're building in your head? Like is it one specific idea that you kind of think would shine above others? Or are you more collecting separate ideas that can be applied to multiple games? Would you say
1: as weird as weird as it is to answer this question it is a bit of column a column b because the okay. game I want to make, I know exactly how I want it to look and play and feel, but at the same time, this won't make sense until the game actually comes out 10 sure. years from now. It's technically two games in one. It's okay. it's technically you 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 know, you play as one character and the game's kind of like a side scroller and then you play as another character and the game's more like an exploratory RPG. So, I have gotcha. different ideas that fall into each category. Um, but eventually, when I do make this proof of concept, it'll be like, all right, now I'm gathering feedback and ideas to help like expand upon this right. type of gameplay, so, so you have a, a general
0: like genre in your head that you want to go through with
1: that that's correct yeah,
0: gotcha and you you mentioned that you you're interested in like the the game mechanics and the design or whatnot are you also you mentioned also that you you animate though are are you fascinated at all by by animating in the video game by designing visually designing it at all or
1: I, I love animation uh mm-hmm. I in layman's terms, I know how animation works, both two D and three D. It's it's not my passion to be an animator, but sure. I in my own video projects, like I've done some very very basic animation, and I can I can uh, manipulate certain objects and animate it myself to do edits and stuff. But I don't aspire to animate to to go to work every day and draw pictures every day to make it look like a character's waving their hand or in in a 3D animator's case uh, motion-tweening a hand all day to make it look like they're waving. And it it takes a while and I respect the craft and I love going to museums and I love seeing behind the scenes uh, documentations on how all of the stuff is done. But I, I basically want to have the seat of a game director but I right. really don't wanna have to get into the nitty gritty of doing specifics for every part of the project. I kinda, right. I kinda wanna have Miyamoto's position where it's like, here's the idea, let me draw it for you. Can gotcha. you do this?
0: That's, sure, that's sure. kinda
1: what I want. But I, I realize, I think everyone wants the position where you just tell other people what to do and they make it for you. I mean, if so. they're
0: offering, I'll take it. Sure, you know, sure. So
1: that's, that's why <laughs> I need the proof of concept so I can be like, can we right. make this? Because as soon right. as I have something to show or convey, then it's more possible
0: and and do you do you have any plans to uh, work on other people's games and kind of preparation for that? Like would you be okay with uh, working on someone else's craft or do you kind of feel like you have to see this vision through first, basically?
1: I, I mean, I'm interested in making other people's projects. I am a little selfish in the sense that I feel as though a lot of people will say they want to make a game, but they don't have a clear idea of what they want to make. and it sure. I'm, I'm going to try not to sound super mean with this, but a lot of people, when they say they want to make a game, this isn't everybody, but a lot of people, when they say they want to make a game, the first thing they describe is the plot and the story. They're like, all right, I want to make this futuristic game with a, with a character who has to save this princess from this place. And it's like, okay, well, you it sounds right. like you have the idea for a story and not so much a game. And then when sure. they say what their game is, they say, oh, it's like, it's like Zelda. It's like Kirby. It's like Bomberman. It's like, ugh. I don't I, I i i it makes me cringe a little bit because if i were an investor and someone right. came in to do their pitch that's not how i'd want someone to sell their game to me and right. that's why i i often feel bad for people who do try to make these games they look really really cool but nobody picks them up because they're not the next big mario or the next big zelda or the next big pokemon or whatever right so i don't want a bad mouth uh, independent developers, I know it's tough, I know it's tricky, right, sure, uh,
0: but, and there's definitely no shame in having a good idea for a good story, right, right? yeah, it's just you don't want to diminish everything else in a game to its story concept alone,
1: exactly, so I, I, that, that's kind of my point, is a lot of people, they focus so hard on the story, and while that can be okay, it, it deters me away, there are, are are a lot of people who want to make a game, but it, it becomes more obvious that if I was like, okay, let's make it, they would not have a clear idea yeah. of like what the roadmap is to making that game. I, sure. for as selfish as it sounds, feel like I do have <laughs> a little bit more of a roadmap. And I admit, yeah. you know, if an investor showed up tomorrow and said, here's a million dollars, make your game. I'd be like, uh, okay, I have to figure out a lot of stuff. Sure. But at least I would like, I would go about making a game design document. I would I would go about literally making a roadmap document to show sure. people like, this is what we make first. And I would, I would start, knowing like the types of people i'd want to hire but i don't know at what point i would hit a roadblock and be like oh i wasn't expecting this i don't i don't know what to do
0: yeah right so i mean it's 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 so hard to predict absolutely everything in your head but it sounds like if you have enough to make a roadmap it's at least you at least have a have a feel of a game inside your head as opposed to like boy a sci-fi game where you're a pirate would be really cool right? right so Um, i I feel like you see some games that are made based off of these bizarre story concepts i'm not bizarre but um you know off of these story concepts without a game plan of like how it's actually going to function in mind first and i think that might be how you get certain games that feel almost unpolished or or buggy or or have genre problems where they don't understand what they're trying to do yeah Uh, so I, i think being cautious about that is a good thing Um, But like you said, you know, there is definitely still value to having a really good story concept basically
1: for sure Uh, But yeah, just to like give you the TLDR of your question I would be interested in working on someone else's game I think working, you know, it's kind of like what I do for editing editing for someone else helps me better edit my own stuff It's it's, I see it as only a a good thing and even if it turns out to be a terrible experience At least I'll have the knowledge like okay now. I know what not to do but it's not it's not something I'd want to do forever, and I would I would be very picky about like who I would and would not want to design for a sure. game for. I don't even know what I what I contribute. I, my game design knowledge is so limited. I don't know that I would even seek a specific position. But you know, right. if if someone's offering, they're like, "Do you want to do this?" I'd probably say, "Maybe."
0: Sure. Well, this is kind of a good segue into another question I wanted to ask you, though, because um, you you do spend a lot of time working with other people's projects or whatnot, um, specifically with editing. I'm curious, uh, do you feel more comfortable working on your own work or working on somebody else's? And does it pertain to whether or not you're performing or doing like post-production or writing or something like that? Have you found yourself more comfortable in any of those territories?
1: I do like working for myself because I know what I want. Sure. Uh, some some clients that I edit for are are very very easy. Like if I may use Arlo as an example, he's a, he's a very good guy. Editing for him is is pretty straightforward. Uh, he'll have his notes and I'll apply his notes, and then I just send the video back. And if he has more notes, then he sends the notes back, and we just keep doing it till we get it right. But there is no, you know, I. I the best thing I can compare it to is like kitchen nightmares. Like there there is no yelling at me saying like you idiot. <laughs> right. What you, what's the matter with you type of thing. There there is none of yeah. that. It's it's all like he brought me on as a as a form of convenience, and right. I edit for him as a form of getting exposure, as a form of receiving extra, you know, financing, and as sure. a means of practicing my editing skills. So it's it's a it's a good mutual benefit. Yeah, I prefer editing for myself because, I mean, that's me boosting my popularity. That's me furthering my own career. That's me doing the things I want to do. You know, editing for Arlo and whatnot is fun. And it's cool to help other people fulfill their dreams and do the things that they want to do, right? But also, it's like, well, I I have dreams, too. I want to do my own thing. (laughs) So, that's, uh, you know, I I used to edit for The Completionist. And that took up a lot of my time. And I loved the time when I was there. Uh, But when I was editing for The Completionist, I, I went to an office uh on the weekdays it was treated like an actual job and i I did a you know i'd edit a video every week but there was also other things like i had to edit the stuff that went on the patreon i had to help him uh film some of the shots sometimes if someone was was sick i'd try to fill in for them i'd have to get pickup shots if if gerard the completionist was unavailable and and stuff like that and i was devoting a lot of my time no fault of his i'm just like a bit of a workaholic perfectionist uh, right. And I would help him fulfill his dreams, and that's that's cool. But I I get jealous, and it's like I I wish I could be doing some of the things he's doing, and I can't sure. I can't do that if I'm just helping him do it all the time. So right. I I have this mentality of like if I you know if I can't fulfill my own dreams, I may as well help someone else fulfill theirs, and sure. I'll, I'll totally do that. And I love seeing him be successful, and I love seeing Arlo be successful, and I love. I, it, it, it works for me if everyone's successful too, because then it work, right. It looks better on my portfolio. <laughs> uh, sure. But I, you know, I get the idea of, oh, I really want to do this dream project of mine, but I just don't have enough hands to help me. And then I'll be like, well, I want to go in just because I want to see you succeed. Because I know what it's like to want to be able to do this thing, but you don't have the time or you don't know how to get around this obstacle. So I just, sure. I just want to help you. At yeah. uh, the same token, then you get to do your dream. You do an awesome job and I'm happy whether I'm a part of it or not. And then I get jealous. I'm like, well, now I want to do that. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go do that. So I like doing it for myself. Yes, for, for these reasons of jealousy and envy. But I, I like doing my own stuff too because as I stated earlier in this interview, uh, working for other people better helps me determine how I can help myself. For sure. So it, it, yeah. it, it works out. I, I'm, I'm never going to be mad that someone I edited for did a good job, okay? I'm, I'm never, <laughs> right, I'm never yeah. gonna be mad that someone brought me on to help them with something and we both benefited, okay? Or even if they just benefit, you know, at least I was able to help them. I'm yeah. never I'm never gonna be upset about that. Jealous maybe, but upset, no. I sure. I, I only get upset when I, I realize that like opportunities are passing me by and I don't take them. So that's why I try sure. to take up any opportunity I can. If, and if that means that I need to spend days editing for other channels before I can edit for myself, then that's what I do. And if that means I need to edit for myself before I edit for other channels, then I try to do that too. So right. it, it goes back and forth, but I, I definitely prefer doing my own stuff because that at least allows me to get my ideas onto the table and sure. front of my career.
0: Well, now uh, uh, to kind of go back to the other part of the question then with uh, regards to you editing and you performing or, or doing commentary on things mm-hmm. or even animating for that matter, like, what level do you feel like you're, do you feel like you are a comfortable performer more so than a comfortable editor? Um, like, which part of your craft do you kind of see as your craft in a sense?
1: Hmm. It's tricky to answer that question. It's a very straightforward question. I have a hard time answering it because there's nothing that I do that someone else can't do. So for sure. that reason, I guess I'm a better performer because people struggle to perform the idea of, constantly keeping your conversation going not saying uh mm, ah, too often there's a craft to that as a craft sure. to being able to carry a conversation while you're playing a game and while you're able to talk about the game and not stutter too much and so on and so forth so for those reasons i guess i'm a better performer but it's the editing skills that i guess people are looking for because just being a decent right. performer i mean there's a lot of people on youtube that do let's plays record their voice do video essays right. all the like editing there are a lot of people who are willing to edit but it's it's a competitive enough category to where when people are hiring editors, they're looking for something specific. Some people right. just want, hey, I I did a live stream. I need someone to make a highlight reel of my live stream. Okay, cool, that's fine.
0: And other then you people, have video essays, yes. Yeah, other which people want the world, right? yeah,
1: Other people are like I just want to be able to record my voice, hand the voiceover file to someone else, and then I just want to be able to write my next thing. And I totally right. get that too and I actually prefer the latter. I prefer editing video essays than than highlight reels. So gotcha. my editing skills I I guess some people do think hey you do a good job with these types of visual edits it, but to me I it, it's nothing special to me because I do it all the time. So yeah. I know how it's done. Well isn't
0: that kind of strange? It's like you you hear about people who are are professionals at their at their occupation uh when you're aspiring and once you get to the point where you are professionally doing something like financially and whatnot You don't recognize yourself as like that professional that you were once looking at for a while, you know uh, right. But meanwhile the the fact that you are actually, you know Financially benefiting from your work and professionally editing for people like it means you're a professional editor It's just hard to like see yourself as that right.
1: It's true You're, you're absolutely right when I first started making YouTube videos, you know 10 12 plus years ago I was not getting paid for Getting paid for YouTube videos wasn't even an option. That was unheard of. That didn't start happening until companies such as Machinima uh, started rolling around and started providing these opportunities for people. And while there there were a couple people who were getting paid for YouTube videos later on, you're, you're talking about the big channels at the time, like Fred or uh, what, what are they called? Like Niga Higa and stuff like that. Uh, right. more, more often than not, Uh, getting paid on YouTube. Like that that was not a thought most people had. You were uploading videos to YouTube as a hobby. And that's what I did. And then it wasn't till about 2012 or so where I was finally able to start monetizing my videos. And uh, I was making pretty good money for the amount of work I was putting in, which is to say I was barely doing any work. I was just recording myself playing games. Sure. But people were watching. And then as time went on, a lot more people uh, realized you get paid for making YouTube videos. So a lot more people... Uh, we're doing it as you would say professionally, and so sure, sure. it became a lot more competitive. Yeah, uh, which which is fine. Uh, you know, I, I again, am I a little jealous? Of course I am. But I, I, it was never my dream to be the number one YouTuber. Anyway, it was always just a hobby. It was just a benefit that I got paid for my hobby. So yeah. when when push comes to shove, and you see all these bigger channels coming up and surpassing you, you start to realize, well, if I can't beat them, I may as well join them or affiliate with them. And that's basically sure. where I'm at now. So I'm probably never going to be more popular than, than The Completionist. I, I probably was at some point because my channel, I think, came first. So technically I was more popular at one point. But it's not my goal to be more popular than him. It's my sure. goal to be friends with him, assist him, and if he can, have him assist me. And that sure. has happened. So in some cases, I've achieved that goal. But yeah, it's not my end goal to be the number one gaming youtube channel youtube has always just been my hobby and it's just been something i do to get closer into the gaming industry so i can one day sure make a game or work with someone who can make a game so on and so forth
0: and um making a game or making videos and stuff is do you think that's in response to you having a creative drive or do you think it's more towards i really like games i play a lot of games i want to see better games in the industry and i want to contribute to that like or is it kind of like you've always been creating something or wanting to create things, and this is just a way you can have that outlet, basically?
1: Hmm. That's a good question. I think it's the latter. I, I like making stuff. I will suffer withdrawals when I'm not creating something because I always have sure. all these ideas going in my head. It's like, oh, I should make that a video. Yeah, sure. I, I, it's, it's not my intention to use my social media platforms to tell people how to do their jobs. So that's why I never really wanted to be a game reviewer. I've done, I guess, like two or three game reviews, but usually I just focus on what the game is rather than what it's not. You know, because I can say, if I may use Super Mario 3D World as an example, I love that game, but a lot of people bashed that game because it wasn't a sandbox style Mario game like Mario 64 or Sunshine. And then Super Mario Odyssey came out and people went back and played 3D World and said, you know what, this is a pretty darn good game. Yeah. that's never been the intention of my of my platform and while i have played a couple of games that i actively did not like and i made it know that i did not like them you know i i still understand that it takes a team to make a game so sure. I, I never want to make someone feel bad because th- their product did not satisfy me that's not right. that's not what i do so i make videos because i am creatively motivated to make them games do mean a lot to me they inspire me they they make me strive to be a better and creative person and i can only hope that i can convey those emotions through my videos and i hope that i've done so <laughs> that's all right. i can that's all i can really say
0: well and um you know it's it's interesting because we 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 live in a a time where the internet is so prominent to our voice and in our opinions that even just sharing opinions on games has a ripple effect on the industry as a whole mm-hmm. while as opposed to liking or disliking a game uh back before the internet was mainstream was a much different picture whether or not we'd like to dislike something hardly had effect on anything right mm-hmm. um so if you know i i like how you mentioned compare looking at what's there in a game instead of what's not there because it it adds a, a more level playing field for um whatever kind of influence you might have on game developers when you review their game, right? Mm-hmm. And it kind of keeps a level of, um, I guess, appreciation that needs to stay within the gaming industry, just as well as, you know, appreciation in any art medium. Um, but to kind of switch gears a little bit, um, you, you have mentioned a little bit about working with uh, the That One Video Gamer office and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of explain how your general experience with that was and um, just how, working in an office with a bunch of other people might have differed from like working for yourself where you're, you're, you know, you're alone and at your desk working on your own things. How is like working with a team compared to working on your own Some basically?
1: Yeah. I started working for them toward the tail end of 2016. I think uh, September, 2016 is when I first started working for them. I went in, got interviewed and then Gerard basically hired me on the spot. And then, uh, from there i treated it similar to a nine to five job although it was more like ten to six and when i was first working there it i i didn't leave the office until my work was done and they had to keep telling me to go home uh sure and i i get it legally i have to go home but i wanted to make sure my work was done so i i did get in fights with them a lot saying like do you want this video done or not type of deal so th- that posed a problem. But aside from that, like I'll, let's just get the problems out of the way first. Uh, I, I did enjoy my time at the office. Everyone, Everyone's a team. There, There, there is no revenge trying to get back at someone, trying sure. to mess someone up. You're all a team. You're all trying to do your best to get the videos out. And we, there were a lot of different projects that went on at the office. So Gerard has his completionist show, but then he also does Super Beard Brothers, his Let's Play channel. So some, sometimes there's overlap, but more often than not, uh, different people were working on different projects all the time. And there were a few other creators at the office too. So there was also Jesse Cox. Uh, for a time, there was Press Heart to Continue, but she she moved out uh, while I was working there. And then her husband, Strippin, was upstairs. When Press Heart to Continue moved out, Barry, also known as rouse uh, occupied that office. Then uh, there, were, there were a few different people. There was Toaster Ghost. There was Octopimp. Uh, yeah, uh, Attacking two cans. There were, there were a lot of different people there. And all this to say, we interacted like they'd come out and have like a water break or something from whatever sure. work they were doing. But we didn't really do much with them. They just kind of rented the office right. uh, or their, their office spaces. So most of the time, I was working with my team, and we we did have our outings, like we'd go, we went and saw Avengers: Infinity War together. We'd occasionally go out and grab Korean barbecue together. So th- those types of things are nice. Those those sure. those group outings, those group hangouts, uh, or those nights, we didn't we didn't really do them more recently. But there were nights where we we'd stay late trying to get a video out. Gerard's still completing it, therefore someone's still editing it, and you know maybe one myself or one or two other people in the office are like keeping them company or even trying to help them. I remember sure. Pokemon Let's Go came down to the wire. We just had like a spreadsheet and Gerard's completing one game and I'm like leveling up Pokemon in another game and stuff like that.
0: It kind of had a, a a brothers in arms feel.
1: Yeah. Anyway. So I I live for those moments for as unhealthy as those late nights much <laughs> would have been and how we, the only thing open was McDonald's. So we'd go and do a sure. McDonald's run or something. Uh, I I th- Those are some of my favorite memories at the company. Uh, I... I do admit, uh there are benefits to working from home, sure, I work from home now, I suspect most people do, uh but subconsciously, the idea of going to an office working on stuff and making sure the work was done before I left better kept me on schedule, right, even if I was working there late because I messed something up or I got something yeah. late, uh that still made sure that the work I was doing uh was getting done,
0: yeah. For sure. I, I mean there's there's definitely something to be said about having, like you said, a nine to five schedule and just being in an environment where everybody else has the exact same goal as you. Naturally things are probably gonna get done at a at a more consistent rate, right? Mm-hmm. Um I I I'm I'm currently um, well, I, I used to work at a at a uh, a coffee shop and oh. um Basically, like that was some of the stuff I missed for my most. Right now, I'm editing videos for my university, and I do that at home. But one of the things I really liked was uh, just being as a team. And whenever there was a rush or something like that, it felt like you all were, had to lock arms and like, all right, we're gonna face this together, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, because of that, you feel like you're getting a lot more done, even if sometimes it's just mentally, you feel like you're doing a lot more than not having having to work at home and not having anything to bounce it off of, nobody to confirm that what you're doing is an important cog in this machine, right? Right. You got no visual proof that what you're doing is actually affecting a a bigger picture. But I, of course, you know, I I am still working with a team right now. It's just remotely, it's just hard to like visually see that. Well, I'm sure you feel similarly with having to, you know, now that you're doing a little bit more freelancing type of editing, uh, you're not getting that immediate like... um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but you're not getting that immediate, uh, uh, I guess, confirmation that what you're doing is important in a way. Oh, the at least not yeah. in real time, like you would in the office.
1: Uh, I'll tell you what, I'm very fortunate. Uh, I, I would say the people at the office were my friends. I, I feel comfortable mm-hmm. saying that. I also have a lot of friends outside of the office too. I did before and I did after. So when I stopped working for The Completionist, I still had another group of friends that I would chat and hang out with. And in fact, you know, whenever I was done with work for the day, I'd go home and chat with them anyway. So. Sure these days when I work from home, I might just hop on a Discord call or something and we'll just chat with each other while we do our own work. So like, you no know, kidding. I have a friend named Charles, he'll do his animation work and I'll do my editing work. And sometimes it's a little hard to chat while I'm working. Uh, sure. And even even at uh, when I was editing for Gerard, you know, I, I had other people working pretty close beside me and that's fine. Yeah. But there are times when I wish like, I don't want to be interrupted. Like no, nobody talk to me. Like I just want to work on right. my stuff. Uh, so in those days, if I don't want to chat with anybody, I'll just not join the discord call, but I'm, for I'm sure. fortunate to have that option. I know some people don't have that luxury. Yeah. So I can't exactly tell how frustrating it would be to not have some sort of social interactivity throughout the day. I know that's, that's sure. probably driving a lot of people crazy right now, but, yeah, but for me, fine. my friends and my, my groups are are very loyal and
0: kind and,
1: uh honest in, so in a way
0: do you guys think you keep each other accountable yeah like, because you're working at the same time
1: you know we worry for each other's health uh gotcha you know my, my <laughs> friends have blatantly told me like Br- bradley i think i think you've taken on too much work and i'm like i wanted this i wanted <laughs> to have a big plate i'd rather have too much food than too little food and they're like okay just make sure to rest type of thing. And then in other cases, sure. you know, we'll have other friends who uh, we'll have one or two friends that do still go out and go to a place to work and they'll come home and they'll tell us their stories for the day. And we all sit back and right. listen and laugh. So it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm fortunate though. And e- even before um, I had to, I had to move within the past couple of months, but before I moved, uh, I had roommates and okay. that worked out right when the, when the pandemic started and right when we were told to stay at home, uh, we, we were pretty like, determined to do that. We we stayed sure. home. we been we went out very little, but the fortunate thing was like at least there were two of us in the household so we could chat with each other and even at that time we were a team. So like if one of right. us went out we could get stuff for each other. So we, we it, that worked out. So even when I was done working for the completionist, I always had someone I could hang out with, I could chat with. I had stuff I could do. Right. I do still like the idea of going to a remote location and working on stuff. But I'd be lying if I said the luxury of working from home uh, wasn't nice. I I like being able to work on my stuff. It just feels weird that my office is also my bedroom. You know, it feels weird to literally roll out of the bed and go straight to the computer. Like that that messes me up a bit. So sometimes I try to do things where I'll, you know, got to make sure I have breakfast. Got to make sure I I get up and stretch every so often just to try to... Have some kind like of work.
0: routine to normalize it.
1: Yeah. Uh. So it, working from home, it makes it harder to know when to start the day and when to end the day. Yeah. And I'll I'll easily work until two three in the morning just to get stuff done and then sleep until like ten in the morning. Be like, okay, let's do it all again. Yeah. So I don't know, but it, it. I don't have the best experience about what the difference is between working from home or working in an office because I've been very fortunate both ways. So I don't, sure I don't know if I'm the most equipped to answer that question, but that's just how it's been for me. I've been very right.
0: fortunate. Well, no, yeah, I, I, I think you, you, um, a lot of what you're saying makes a lot of sense because, um, you know, it's, it, like I, I'm kind of fortunate in the fact that I, I have specific hours that I have to, you know, I have to log on a website and then log off just to show that I'm working that time or whatnot. Mm-hmm. I, but I can guarantee that if I did not have that, then I, you know, I'd probably go nocturnal. I'd, I'd go full like sleep during the day and then at night do all the work I need to because I think, oh it's cooler at night, you know, something like that. Right. right. Um, but yeah, I, I think, I think I went through a little bit of a, uh, a, a culture shock, if you will, mm-hmm. going from like working at an, uh, working somewhere to working at home. And I feel like I'm going to go through like the same thing when stuff starts reverting and I could go back to an office or whatnot. Um, but, uh, you know, ultimately like both definitely have its benefits. And I, I think, um, I talk about this a lot with what up Nico as well. And he was mentioning that, uh, when he was working with the Yogs cast, he, uh, definitely missed, like, just having people around to talk to, even just to, like, verbally express your work, to verbally say, like, this is what I'm working on, like, what do you think? Mm. Do you find that you ever miss that kind of side of it? Or does the Discord calls, uh, usually make up for that?
1: Yes and no. When I was working for the Completionist, there was, there wasn't really much of a what do you think, uh... Section because usually what would happen is we'd have designated review nights anyway So like if a a video goes out on Wednesday, which it did for me because I I edited the Wednesday videos um, That meant that Monday night was usually review night where people would look over the video and then Tuesday I would spend the day making the adjustments. So there there were very rarely Opportunities in between where I would do something submit it early and say, what do you think? Uh, I, I guess there were one or two situations where a couple other editors did that like when we had when we changed the format of the completionist show, uh, we changed a couple of the assets, and then we would say, "What do you think?" And I, I guess they kind of do that now because they like changed their logo or something. So that happens. Sure. Uh, it didn't it didn't really happen for me in that position though. I never I never really uh, had to run individual ideas through. If we gotcha. ever had to do that, there were designated meetings or there were you know there were the review nights. So when I edit for other channels, the the what do you think process comes up a couple times. But I usually sure. just message those channels immediately, and they get back to me immediately, and it's never a, a, a huge thing. Gotcha. W- when I'm chatting with my friends, uh, I don't show them everything I'm working on because sometimes it's a little secretive. Sure. Uh, sure. But they'll they'll show me, and I'll 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 critique if I need to. Uh, and on the few instances where I'll show them something, they'll, they'll critique me, and that's fine. It's appreciated. But it's it's not usually usually when we're working in the same call, it's not a matter of sharing. Our works together right. it's just it's just passing conversation so we don't go insane
0: sure sure gotcha well I'm, I'm very glad that you have that kind of avenue i you know i i have like a, a the discord call that i look forward to and that's what gets me to finish my work before then because i definitely cannot work while i talk but mm. um you know it's it's it is nice that we have access to these kind of things especially in a time like this um, but to kind of change gears a little bit, uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, that you were started making videos after you, um, watched other people and, and wanted to do something similar. I'm just curious who some of your inspirations were and what specifically, what elements you've kind of incorporated from their work into your own in a way, not in a necessarily sure. copying way, but obviously from what parts of their work you took inspiration from.
1: Yeah. So the inspirations change based on like the year you ask that question. So I, sure. I mean, if we go all the way back and like who, did, who helped me determine the formatting of how I do general videos, I mean, that's gotta be Let's Play channels like Chugga Conroy and Maryland. They're, they're two of my biggest inspirations and I often envy the way that they do their videos so professionally. Sure. I, they, they just have like a style that I really appreciate that I can only wish I incorporated into my videos. And then people say, well, you could, and say not without blatantly ripping them off, I couldn't. <laughs> so they're, sure. they're very good. I'm, I'm happy to be friends with those guys. Then there's other situations where I'll try to do something a little more analytical, something more like an editorial, and the editing presentation of that video will vary based on the types of stuff I've been watching at the time. So, for example, there's a channel out there called Pan & Coic. It's a guy who's trying to beat Super Mario 64 without pressing the A button. And he'll have his videos where he shows himself doing something in the game without pressing the A button, and then he has another video where he explains everything. And those videos where he explains everything, I like his visual layouts and I, I will mimic those. Uh, there are instances where, you know, even watching episodes of The Completionist, I'm like, oh, I kind of like this sure. this setup. Let me let me incorporate that into right. my own stuff. Or, uh, you know, maybe maybe back in the day, I I grew jealous of like the way that Game Grumps did their videos. Like, oh, it's so sure. funny to include a random visual edit in the middle of a video. Let me do that. <laughs> so that's what I would do. Right. Uh, so it it comes down to what I'm watching at the time, and I think those are some pretty good examples. And and these days when I edit for some other channels, so like. I edit for Source Gaming. Uh, some of the stuff I do in the Source Gaming videos I edit are based on things I might have seen in a completionist video or in a Did You Know Gaming video, or are just right. are just my own flair that I saw in some random other one-off video, like how to play Little Mac at Super Smash Brothers. And I'm like, oh, this guy did this cool split screen thing where one part of the screen like paused in the middle of one attack, and the next part of sure. the screen, you know, sh- shows the same action against a different character. I want to I want to do that. So it's it's a bunch of stuff like that. I just I, I see a bunch of different channels. I like the way they do their pacing right. their visual edits, whatever And then I try to uh, mimic that accordingly
0: Right, so even like these small little for formal elements in a video of just like a, a tiny little edit or something You'll think like hey that would be cool to implement in what I'm trying to do here and stuff like that So yeah, you basically even just down to the editing. You're kind of drawing some inspirations or whatnot um, yeah, exactly. and what what about in just how you express yourself in a way right because as you mentioned earlier not everybody can fully articulate themselves at a reasonable pace right while recording or performing uh do you have any inspirations for how you basically uh became equipped to to improvise in your videos and keep a dialogue going and whatnot
1: sure i do ramble and there are times when i'll say stuff and nobody has a clue as to what i'm talking about but i I roll with it anyway uh, there's two things they, they've they kind of both fall into into rules of improv. So I guess like first tip try learning improv watch whose line is it anyway, whatever uh, t- <laughs> Tip number one. Yeah, try to avoid saying um Try to sure. try to I repeat my words a lot as you've been hearing throughout this conversation because I am trying to refuse to say uh. I will still occasionally say uh, but I try to do it as little as possible So try to not say uh and the second thing is if you're gonna go off topic try not to go too far off topic. So sure. if I'm playing Mario Sunshine and I talk about, wow, I really love the water in this game. The water physics are cool. It kind of reminds me of this game. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, you're talking about the the next character you think is going to be in Super Smash Brothers. Like maybe <laughs> right. you went a little too far. Right. Uh, so I just said, oh. So my point is this. The only way you can get better at it is to practice at it. You're gonna make mental notes and you're gonna get anxiety over how many times you say, uh, sure. or how many times you stutter. It happens to the best of us. Some people kind of cheat. I have once or twice where I have re-recorded one or two things I was not satisfied with. That's fine. It's all about trying to best represent yourself in your videos as much as possible. Sure. I try not to be fake, but if I'm saying something and the audio quality is terrible, or if it it becomes a mute point, I might go back and re-record one or two lines. But I only got better at stuff because I have been doing this for 10 plus years.
0: Yeah, for sure. I I think that's a... um... Uh, there now now i'm going to be self-conscious about me saying it but i, I it doesn't bother I think, me if
1: you say uh it's fine
0: <laughs> it usually doesn't matter to me either but in your presence now i feel like i gotta monitor <laughs> myself uh but i i do remember or i when you mentioned um now i'm thinking about every time don't I. don't worry it. it's fine so it's fine i'll try to get it out of my head okay uh when you mentioned basically try not to go like too far off topic or whatnot like one of the small things that i try to pick up and apply is basically uh finding the simplest way I can condense what I'm trying to say, but then also plan out an exit strategy, mm. find a way to get a my, transition myself back into the regular flow of the conversation. That way, any kind of like derailing is gonna be somewhat relevant to what I say afterwards. Sure. And that's kind of something that I've like locked in. It's like, okay, think of your exit strategies basically. Uh, I think that's but smart yeah, advice. I, I, you know, from watching your videos, I can tell you've obviously been doing this for a very long time. Your let's plays are very fluid, and I don't see any problems in your speech, speech patterns or anything like that. Or there's a, I'll probably be finding a lot less ums now that I'm actually looking for it in your videos now too. So I bet you're doing a great job at that. Um, I now you've you've also done a little bit of writing, right? Because I, I noticed, I've, I only noticed this when I read your Twitter bio, but you said it's a mention that you were writing for Go Nintendo, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of comparing performing to writing which method do you feel like you can better articulate yourself so because i i've known people who flip either or
1: yeah so let me just elaborate on what that means so writing for go nintendo it's a it's a nintendo news website so i'm basically just helping write news articles and it's the reason i write for go nintendo and the reason I, i love the website so much is because we we do basic summaries of nintendo news going on or we we embed press releases and trailers and stuff we're not about Making five, six paragraphs of, you know, a, a tweet Nintendo made. That's not what we do. Sure. If anything, we'll embed the tweet and then include a one paragraph thing afterward and say, "All right, well, that means this does that." So sure. when I when I write for them, it's very simple and it it opens another avenue to further my career into the gaming industry. Right. Because being able to say I'm a journalist uh, gives me a, a bit more street credit.
0: Sure. Well, in, in a quick caveat question, do you feel like that scratches another creative itch too, though? It does. Being able to, because I, you know, you're not, you don't have a lot of opportunities to write when you're doing a lot of Let's Play content, right? At least in that form of content.
1: It does. I, I do write editorial and analytical type videos for my own channel from time to time. So I've done my fair share of video essays. Okay, and, gotcha. But those don't necessarily go on Go Nintendo, although they can. I've... Writing for Go Nintendo has allowed me to sometimes embed some of my videos on the Go Nintendo, but it still has to be news related, right? So I can't just make a video called why I like Star Fox and say that gets to go on Go Nintendo. But if Nintendo announces Splatoon 3 and I make a video saying why Splatoon 3 is important for Nintendo, that might count as something more newsworthy because it's an upcoming event. But being able to write for Go Nintendo, yeah, it it does scratch a creative itch, I would say it not only allows me to keep up with the news more so than i actively would have but it allows me to kind of be a part of it too it allows me to to sure. be a better sense of the community because i get to say things like oh i got to write the article about the time right uh you know satoru Iwata's approval ratings went up like i, I got to actively be involved in stuff like that i got right. i got to i got to break the news that uh there's going to be a transformers themed Splatfest in splatoon i got right. to or, or you know, the, every once in a while, it doesn't happen as often as people lead you to believe. But every once in a while, we'll get one article or two, like an hour before a Nintendo Direct goes up, and it's just like, "Oh, this is gonna be in the Nintendo Direct." Oh, I can't, I can't say anything. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in so much trouble if I say something. So it leads <laughs> me, it makes me very eager to watch the Nintendo Direct and be like, "What the heck is this right. new's article, and when do I get to open it up and actually see what it is?"
0: Type of right, thing. right. So, so yeah. it you also get to to further a platform that you very much respect right yeah to, be, to contribute to because not not every video game journalism or, or site might be as respectful as go nintendo go sure. nintendo right
1: yeah and we, we we messed up on some stuff too but we're, we always own up to it i've made dozens of mistakes that the creator of the website kevin cassidy will usually own up to and they will say no no kevin didn't do anything wrong I messed up. He's innocent. Don't get mad at him. Take it out on me. Yeah. I, I, you know, I've, I've mislabeled games. I have quoted people without saying the name of the person who did the quote. I have, like, d- done sources wrong. I put stuff on the website that I thought was, like, from a press release. And then people come along saying, hey, that's our information. You stole it. And I'm like, sorry, I didn't know. I'll put your name in the credits. Sure. Uh, so, you know, I, I, I deal with that because I mess up. I get it. That's sure. that's what happens when you have a social media platform. You're like, oh, cool, I'm popular, but you also take the heat that comes with it, and I'm I'm okay with that. So yeah, sure. I've, I've messed up. It happens, but I I do like writing for the website regardless. It does right. allow me to better engage with the community, and it allows me to yeah, as you said, scratch that creative itch. Sure.
0: Well, and, and if you had to uh, per- write about the same amount of information or write the same message that you would. For a video essay or whatnot, do you find that you'd be more effective in writing out paragraphs about something, or do you think the visual aid of that video provides allows you to get that message across clearer? Hmm,
1: good question. Well, video essays are more opinionated, so I can include sure. basically whatever information I want to include, and then I just cite something like Go Nintendo as a reference. Right. So, video essays are great, yeah, because they're a visual medium. So right. it's very easy for me to just provide a picture of an article or show stuff more easily because you might have heard show don't tell well that's very easy in a visual medium right whereas if everything is just text showing stuff people usually interpret that as oh use a lot of adjectives use a lot of descriptive words but when you're writing a a factual news article for some place like go nintendo you don't you don't need all that you just you you actually want to make it as short as possible you just want the information So a video essay, yeah, the visual cues and animations and whatnot definitely help with conveying a point. So gotcha. I, would, I would definitely say so.
0: Okay. Well, uh, we're actually getting a little bit close to wrapping up time around here. Uh, so I am going to provide some questions that I usually ask every guest around the end, uh, starting with, if you could give yourself one piece of advice that uh, you wish you had when you started, started off in this industry uh, or just in creating in general, what piece of advice would you give yourself?
1: Uh, I'm so bad at questions like these. It's the the equivalent of like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where the version of of yourself from five years ago be proud of you? And I'm like, I don't know because I'm very hard on myself.
0: Well, Uh, (laughs) if you want, you can shape the question differently. You know, if if there's like um, something you learned about creating um, that is definitely helped your creative mindset and help you produce more healthfully. Um, you know, feel free to bring up that too. But basically you can take the question wherever you want to really.
1: Yeah. I mean, if I, if I spoke to myself five years ago, I, I would tell him like you, you get to meet some pretty cool people and you get to do some good opportunities. So I would, I would assure sure. him. Cause we're, we're talking about from 2016, to 2021, so I could joke and be like, oh, and N- Nintendo releases this new game system and everyone <laughs> loves it and you get to help promote it and you're, you're really sure. happy and stuff. Sure. But uh, in terms of just full on advice, it, it's hard for me to say just because I am so consistently hard on myself and so jealous of others. <laughs> so I guess I could tell myself, don't be jealous of others, but then I'd be a hypocrite because I'm still jealous of others. You know, I sure. could just tell people like, don't be a bad person. Okay, but right. maybe someone needs the specifics. So uh, it's, it's tricky for me to answer. It's such a, it's such a basic question and yet (laughs) I struggle to answer it.
0: Well, I mean, like for an example, a common thing people usually bring up is like, um, you know, a common one is like to not worry about numbers or to uh, think more about the quality of your craft as opposed to the amount that you throw out there and Um, To learn to take critique a certain way and filter in what's important, what's not important, right? So just in general, like something that you've learned in this creative journey that might help other people out there who are also now just introducing themselves into the industry.
1: I I know it's it's such a basic question. Do you have any (laughs) advice? And I'm like, no, (laughs) because I don't even know how I do it. I'm sorry, it's a question I, I, I struggle with a lot. even I can answer the complicated questions and I can't answer the simple <laughs> ones. I, I would just try to assure my past self, hey, you know you you get to do some cool stuff and people like you so like don't, so to, to, don't to so keep at it
0: stuff. basically right? Ba-
1: yeah, basically like you can to, be hard on yourself but like don't hate yourself because it's it, it works out. I, I sure. would have to give them like, all right, heads up. So we're, we're talking 2016. All right, so in five years as a pandemic, you know, stock up on these foods and plan accordingly. I could I could give you that type of answer, <laughs> but that's not what you want to hear. You want to hear like, if, if you're an aspiring creator, what do you do? And I would basically sure. just have to say, keep at it and give it your all. And it's okay yeah. to be sad. It's okay to be jealous. It's okay to get frustrated. It's okay to be scared. You know, you well, just I, do what you know.
0: Right. I, I think what you briefly touched on with, um, Also, just not hating your work and and hating yourself for what you create and stuff. I think that is something that's very important because it's so easy to see the flaws in your own work, you know, that saying you are your own worst critic. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can take that the wrong way when in reality that can be taken to a much more positive light, which is just seeing areas at which you can improve for the next thing you create as opposed to just... Uh, why am I even trying if this thing is is so bad, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you kind of touched on is if you stay determined with your craft, focus on bettering it as opposed to letting its flaws tear, tear you down. Because that's something that's been common that you've been saying through this whole podcast is just that uh, you you want to learn from those mistakes. You want It makes you better. It makes you more skilled or whatnot, right? <laughs> so if I can kind of try to word your advice, I, I feel like that's the message you're trying to get across basically or an important piece of information for people to know basically
1: i am glad that you have interpreted <laughs> my information like that because i i think i i said a garble of words <laughs> and sentences but yes that's basically what i'm saying is just do stick do what you know it's okay if you mess sure. up you know you're not unfortunate to say i have not been canceled yet we'll see if i did anything i don't know and right. uh, it, it'll it'll work out it'll the thing okay. is
0: we're all going to get canceled one day. So don't cancel yourself. Man. Yeah. That's, don't cancel that, yourself prematurely.
1: Just, just do, don't do do stupid stuff. Or if you're going right. to do stupid stuff, don't do stupid stuff that harms other people. So, yeah,
0: there you go. Yeah. Be, be stupid in your own right, not in others. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So the final question I'm going to be asking you is just how have you been creatively dealing with everything that's been going on in 2020? Um, so this can range from like how maybe your creative input has changed. Maybe you've been watching kind of different things or you've been, uh, trying out different mediums uh, to entertain yourself as well as just your drive and how it's been affected. You know, um, Creators always answer this a little differently. Some people uh, creatively shut down when the pandemic came around while other people felt more inspired because they had all this time to work on things. Where do you fall in that spectrum on a creative level specifically?
1: So I would not say that the pandemic shut me down creatively. I don't know that it necessarily boosted my stuff, but I was gonna have to start working from home regardless anyway as a freelance editor. So sure. not not that it helped. I mean, I like going to conventions and stuff and conventions is where I really get to make a name for myself with yeah. my Yoshi hat and everything. But I don't think it, the, the pandemic truly benefited me. Like I didn't see my numbers go up that much. I know some other channels like they shot up because a lot of people were staying home. So they were putting YouTube videos on in the background and stuff. So I, I get the logic didn't necessarily help me in that regard. I don't, it didn't hurt me, didn't help me. Sure. So I don't know if the pandemic had in, had a direct impact on what I do. What I right. do, what I can say is with regards to staying creatively motivated, part of the benefit of working with so many channels or for so many channels is that I get to work on so many different types of projects. I always have something to work on for better or for worse. So right. For some people that's overwhelming because it's the idea of, woo, I finally finished this project. Gotta get started immediately on the next one right. and you just keep going down the list But I, I like the idea of knowing that I I have something I can work on I don't I don't like the idea of feeling lost or confused about sure uh, what I should be doing. So the the other thing is like I, I say I stated earlier that I don't want to be the number one gaming YouTube channel. and That's true. If it happens I'd be nice. That's not my goal. I, I would love it if I was more well-known in the Super Smash Brothers community or the Splatoon community or the Pokemon community I I, I want it all right, but in order sure. to have it all I have to do it all so being able to edit for these other channels allows me to kind of t- Get a, get a feel for that. You know, I might right. not I might not be the biggest Splatoon channel I'm definitely not the biggest Splatoon channel, but being able to edit Splatoon related videos for another channel that is well known in the Splatoon community, it at least allows me to scratch that itch. You know, sure. I don't I don't really get to talk about Pikmin or Paper Mario on my channel. I've recorded both for my channel and I love both of those games. I'm not really known as a Pikmin or Paper Mario guy, but you know sure. who is? Arlo. And I get to edit his Pikmin and Paper Mario videos. Right. So that allows me to scratch that itch. Or, you know, Super Smash Brothers. Like Source Gaming is considered a very good source in the Super Smash Brothers community because they document like every interview that the creator has ever done. And they, they actually keep track of like, which characters were supposed to be in certain games and all that. They're, they're the kings of that. They might not necessarily be the most popular channel, but they are a commonly reliable source. So being right. able to be a part of that, especially in a series where at the very beginning, it's like, here's our series about showing which characters were cut from this game. And I, Nintendix, along with Yo Shiller, or my name is blatantly set there, it helps. And it, it feels good to be like, all right, I can't be the number one Splatoon channel. But I can I can be a part of one that is. I can't be the number one smash for this channel. But I can be a part of one that is. I can't be right. You know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So being able to edit for all of these channels helps scratch those creative itches. And a lot of these channels, even if they are all video essays or uh, editorials or something to that extent, right. they all allow me to do different things while on my own channel. I can still do whatever I want. So like right now yeah. I'm playing new Pokemon Snap, but there's also like an F-Zero video I wanted to make because of a, of a comment someone said in an interview a few weeks back. There's also a, a video I want to make about like the current state of the Star Fox series because I sadly think they're in trouble. Hopefully they're not, but <laughs> it's something I wanted to talk about. So my right. channel allows me to have an outlet for anything else I want to make. But in terms of like craving the, the popularity, in terms of like satisfying my jealousy, I have things that I can do, fortunately, that allow me to stay creatively motivated and i am very grateful for that
0: sure yeah i mean i i think um, having absolutely nothing to do during the time like 2020 would be very tough for me personally because the the idea of just uh not having your time being spent towards something like I feel like that would put me in a whirlpool of of like oh shoot what's going to happen or whatnot. I'm still in university. I um I also work so I I've I've been fine. But yeah, I I could basically understand just having projects to actually work on. Um, do you think you were purposely filling up your time because you didn't really want to spend much time outside of work with everything going on, or do you think it was just all par for the course of your natural like things would have gone the same way had the pandemic not happened?
1: I definitely wanted to work on stuff because I am a bit of a workaholic. I don't know if the pandemic uh, had anything to do with me craving more work. I, don't, I It might've led to me having more opportunities because a lot of people were home more, so they were making more sure. videos or making more money. And then we're like, oh, I can hire on another editor. So m- maybe right. there's that. Maybe there's that indirect connection with the pandemic. But I don't, I don't know if I would say, again, if the pandemic had any sort of uh, direct connection to me wanting to do more work. Me, sure. me picking up more work was something I always considered, but it was never the original intention. Like I, I definitely, I wanted to focus on my channel and try to further my career, however I could. But when opportunity came knocking at the door, and these other channels were like, "Hey, do you want to edit this video?" I was like, "Yeah, I do." And when people right. were reaching out saying, like, "Hey, what would you think about editing for this channel?" I'd like, "Okay, yeah, I'll do it." And I'm in a, I'm in a very fortunate situation to be able to edit for channels that I like, because I know some people, some people don't have that. You know, right. I'm, I'm, I'm so. So thankful that I got to edit for The Completionist and that these days I get to edit for Arlo and Source Gaming. I I love working for these guys, right? Sure. Some people get stuck editing a bunch of videos and it it makes them feel miserable. And editing does not make me feel miserable. The amount of work I do, it can get stressful. I do not say it's the amount that makes me feel miserable. It's the fact that I can't go and see people at conventions in first person. Sure. Makes me feel miserable. But no, I I, I, I have a hard time saying that it's because of the pandemic that my work is the way it is now because I was going to stay and be a freelance editor for a while anyway. That was still the intention. The pandemic happening when it did is unfortunate timing, but it doesn't change the way I do work right now.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I'm glad to hear that you're still very creatively active. And from what I can tell, creatively healthy, too. It, it doesn't seem like you are um, running into burnout um, currently, at the very least. Not yet. Um, <laughs> cross your fingers. You still got some time. Do my best. Before yeah. the next burn. Yeah. Um, yeah, but uh, I I hope all the best. And I, I hope that you continue to be creatively healthy uh, as we go into 2021. And hopefully things outside of creating will also start to look up a little brighter this year. Um that's about all the time we've got for today, Joshiller. Thank you so much for joining me. Um is there would you care to uh kind of plug your channels and, and your accounts or where people can find you or your work? Um the time at which this comes out is who knows? Up in the air. But you know.
1: Yeah. Uh well, first of all, thank you very much for having me on. It is a pleasure. You are you're you're good. You're you're a good interviewer. You're you <laughs> know your you. stuff. You you handed your questions well, I didn't say um that often. You're fine. Uh it's been a pleasure to be on here. This was this was fun. Uh, my YouTube channel is called Yoshiller. Y-O-S-H-I-L-L-E-R, not Yoshi Killer, not Yosh Killer. Uh, how how you pronounce it, Yoshiller, Yoshiler. I don't get offended by that. It's Yoshiller. And it's it's that because it's basically the nickname I gave the Yoshi in Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door. That's where my username comes from for anyone that's curious. So it's just Yoshiller. I walk around conventions with a Yoshi hat, so it's highly likely that if you go to a big Gaming convention, especially if Nintendo's there, and you see a guy with a big green plush Yoshi hat, it's probably me. Although I'm not the only person that owns this hat, so maybe <laughs> maybe try to look for a tall,
0: scrawny guy too
1: with a Yoshi hat. So
0: basically, don't hug the Yoshi guy immediately. Yeah, Just d- make d- sure who it is. Double check
1: that he's scrawny, <laughs> has brown hair, has glasses, and that he's tall. And then it, it's it probably is me. Gotcha. And then yeah, I also edit for a lot of other channels, so you might see my name pop up on various other gaming related channels.
0: And Twitter is probably the best place to see where your new projects might come from, right?
1: Yes, my Twitter handle is at Real Yoshiller because when you reach a certain point in popularity, someone takes your username on other social media websites. So for the time being, it's twitter.com slash Real shiller. I am working on trying to make it just Yoshiller. So I don't know, maybe a year from now, that'll be the case. But at the time of this recording in this video, it is just Real Yo,
0: <laughs> there you go uh, and of course all the links will be in the description for you guys who want to just link directly to it uh, thank you guys so much for watching if you'd like to check out anything that i've mentioned in a more condensed form these are also highlights on the patnet youtube channel and of course if you're watching on patreon thank you so much for supporting and i'll see you guys in the next podcast so so long